Hello, and welcome to this episode of I Think I'm Gonna Lose It, a podcast about losing weight, getting healthy, and trying to have some fun in the process. My name is Dana Tofi. If you're new to this podcast, here's what you need to know. I'm a 51-year-old husband and father who has struggled with my weight my whole adult life. After decades of yo-yoing, I was frustrated and defeated. But I've decided to give it one more try and get a little help this time. I'm using this podcast to chronicle what I'm doing and how I'm doing and hopefully share information and stories that are helpful and maybe inspirational. And look, I want to thank everyone who has listened to the first few episodes and especially those who have left kind reviews on Apple Podcasts. That's awesome. I hope people are finding this series entertaining and informative. Or maybe it's just making you feel good about yourself. You're thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not that guy. That's cool too. If you like what you're hearing, though, please share this with others. Okay, enough shilling. On this episode, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant about research, especially a new study about one of my go-to foods. I'll also talk about managing what could have been a disaster weekend, and I'll tell you about a very kind gift from a friend and listener. All right, let's get started. When I was a kid, I have great memories of weekend mornings when I would get up and my mom would ask me what I wanted for breakfast. The answer was frequently the same. Fried eggs, over easy, and a bagel, sometimes with a side of bacon thrown in. As I got older, I kept eating eggs, but the news about my favorite ovoid started getting a little bleak. Science started drawing a connection between cholesterol and heart disease. Eggs are cholesterol bombs, and the word was we should limit how many we eat. But in recent years, eggs have had a revival of sorts. Another wave of research has found the link between cholesterol and heart disease is less conclusive. Federal guidelines were changed, and eggs, which are a great source of protein and other nutrients, were now seen as a part of a healthy diet. Of course, Americans can't just take one pill. We have to take the whole bottle. So now, we eat an average of about 280 eggs a year, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now, for a lot of weight loss programs, including the one I'm doing, eggs are considered a good food. As a reminder, I'm doing Weight Watchers, or WW as they've branded themselves now, and that program is built on points. Every food is given a point value based on calories, fat content, and so forth, and you're given a certain allotment of points every day. There are also more than 200 zero-point foods. Those are foods that are generally healthy, filling, and don't count against your daily point allotment. That includes eggs, as long as they're not cooked in a lot of oil, covered with cheese, or paired with unhealthy foods. So eating a couple of hard-boiled eggs with fruit has become a go-to breakfast for me a few times a week. It's a nice break from steel-cut oatmeal. But then on March 15th, a new study came out, and it again raised concerns about eggs. The study, which got a lot of media coverage, concluded that higher consumption of eggs and higher cholesterol were associated with higher incidence of cardiovascular disease and early death. My reaction, echoed by many egg eaters trying to lose weight, was This was yet another example of why it's so hard to lose weight and eat well. 
The evidence on what constitutes healthy food is constantly changing and continuously being debated. The scientific studies sometimes conflict with each other. I mean, just Google, is red wine healthy? And you'll see what I mean. Even the stories on this new egg and cholesterol study were confusing. The CNN story said that researchers found that each additional half an egg consumed per day was associated with a 1.1% higher risk of cardiovascular disease and a 1.9% higher risk of early death due to any cause. The New York Times wrote that each additional half egg per day was associated with a 6% increased risk of cardiovascular disease and an 8% increased risk of early death. And NPR quoted one of the researchers saying, and this is a quote, what we found in this study was that if you consumed two eggs per day, there was a 27% increased risk of developing heart disease. Oh my God. I mean, I'm sure these articles are all technically accurate, but they seem to tell the story in a different way, and it's not clear what the takeaway is. And the research itself is difficult to translate and understand. It's enough to make someone eat a box of Pop-Tarts. And I'm talking the strawberry kind with frosting. Seriously, this is really frustrating. We now have so much information at our fingertips, which is good, but it makes it harder to wade through what's real and what isn't. Every day, it seems like someone is posting something to social media about a food that is or isn't healthy for you, or one that, according to research, has some mystical benefits. One of my Facebook friends posted a link this week, I think as a joke, about how tangerines can keep you from getting gray hair. Look, I eat tangerines, and my hair is turning gray. So how do we know what we should really pay attention to, and, and what's just clickbait? Well, in a future episode, I'm hoping we'll talk to an expert who can give us some tips for evaluating and understanding research. But until then, here are a few important things to know about this new egg and cholesterol study. It appears to be independent and rigorous and involves data from a lot of people. The study authors combined data from six other studies to get information from nearly 30,000 people. That is a lot. But that doesn't mean there aren't weaknesses. For instance, much of the data were gathered through food recall. Basically, people being asked to remember what they ate, which can be very unreliable sometimes. Quick, what did you have for breakfast last Tuesday? See what I mean? Also, the data here are observational, not causal. And so what's that mean? Well, if you just read the headlines, you might think that the study says that eggs cause an increase in cardiovascular disease and the risk of early death. That's not really what it says. The study finds an association between those two things, but it doesn't establish cause and effect. And before someone starts yelling fake news, I looked, listened to, and watched several mainstream media stories on this study, and they included all of this. But if you just scanned the story, or if you saw it on Twitter, you might have missed that nuance. So what's the bottom line? Well, the study abstract offers this very unsatisfying conclusion. And I'm quoting. Among U.S. adults, higher consumption of dietary cholesterol or eggs was significantly associated, again associated, 
with higher risk of incident cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality in a dose-response manner. These results should be considered in the development of dietary guidelines and updates. So you want me to translate that? It means more research is needed. And look, that's good. And maybe that's the takeaway. Research is a process, and one study, even a big rigorous study like this one, should be seen in context with other findings. I mean, that's really how research is supposed to work in any area. So if you see a new study or report about the positive or negative effects of a particular food, keep it in perspective and ask yourself a few questions. Who conducted the study? Who funded it? How was it done? What do the data actually tell us? And what does other research on this topic say? Of course, none of that answers the big question, should I eat eggs or not? And if so, how many? Well, I don't know. I guess like everything else, moderation is the key. Or Pop-Tarts. If you've ever tried to follow a weight loss program, this is going to sound familiar. It all starts well. You're making your lunches, you're eating healthy, you're going to the gym, and the pounds start coming off. You're feeling pretty good and you start thinking, hey, I got this. Maybe that lasts a couple of weeks or maybe a month or maybe even two months. And then something happens. It's called life. Your routine gets shaken up and suddenly you find yourself unable to control your circumstances and control your food choices. And the next thing you know, your program is off the rails. This past weekend could have turned into a weight loss disaster for me. Without boring you with too many details about my life, my wife and I had a night to ourselves last Friday. Our oldest was on a trip to Florida with his school's symphonic band, and our youngest was at a friend's for an overnight birthday party. We decided to go see a movie at one of those theaters with really comfortable reclining seats and a waiter that brings you food and drink. Then on Saturday and Sunday, we had family in town for my aunt's birthday celebration. I love getting together with my extended family, and we all really like to eat and drink. It's a blast. As I prepared for the weekend, I'll admit I was worried about my ability to hold it together. I know that life events are important, as I discussed in my last episode, but a whole weekend of life events was a recipe for disaster. But then I remembered something that my coach from the weight loss program I'm using said. They talked about managing these types of situations. My takeaway from that conversation was twofold. First, you should try to control your food choices as much as you can. So I bring breakfast, lunch, and healthy snacks to work. When we have dinner at home and my family is eating something that would just be too many points, I make sure I have better options available, like canned soups or healthy frozen meals or salads. When we go out for dinner, I use the WW app to help me make healthier choices at restaurants, and I do a little advance work to make sure we choose places that have lower point options. I've been really touched, actually, how my sons are invested in my health. My youngest is always asking, how many points is that? Should you eat that? 
The second takeaway is that when you can't control the food in front of you, make the best choices you can. So at the movie theater, most of what was on the menu was a point nightmare. However, there was one item, tandoori chicken skewers, which were served with asparagus, and that wasn't too bad. And I only ate half of the complimentary bag of movie popcorn. I did have a glass of bourbon, but I passed on a second. At the family event, there was a ton of delicious food, as there always is. I made sure to eat something before we left, so I wasn't starving. In those situations, I tend to do mindless grazing while I'm talking. So while I caught up with my cousins, I parked myself near the fruits and vegetables instead of the chips and guac. Now, my sister was in town for the event, so we went out to dinner twice. One meal went well. I had chili with no cheese or sour cream and half a beer. But the other meal was not so great. There were tapas of all types and killer sangria. I overdid it a little, and I blew my point total out of the water. And this brings me to a topic that I think is really important, at least for me, and that's forgiveness. One of the things that has really undone my weight loss efforts is how critical I am of myself. I have a bad day or a few bad hours, and I beat myself up and get really down. And what do I do when I'm down? I eat and drink. It's a vicious cycle. The truth is that when we went out for tapas, I could have done better. But you know, I was with my sister, my wife, and my son. We were having fun and enjoying the moment. And when we got home, I started slipping into old behaviors. Why did I do that? Here we go again, all talk, no action. But the reality is that it was one small slip up in what has otherwise been a really successful few weeks. I decided just to go to bed and try to do better the next day. And I did. For me, that's real progress. But I'll admit, I was a little nervous about stepping on the scale. Now, speaking of scales, I want to thank my friend and faithful listener, Tom Moore, for a very thoughtful gift. In the second episode, I mentioned that I have a crappy scale. Well, a box arrived this past week with a new scale, one that includes Bluetooth and works with an app on my phone that keeps track of my progress. As Tom said, there is no human endeavor that is not improved by buying a gadget that attaches to your iPhone. So true. The scale is also deadly accurate, so I was nervous when I stepped on it for my Monday weigh-in. But the news was good. After three weeks, I'm down to 246.6 pounds. That means I lost a little less than four pounds in a week, and I've dropped nearly 16 pounds since I began. I'm pleased with this progress, but I'm not celebrating. I've lost weight before, the goal this time is to keep it off. Still, I have to admit, it's going pretty well. So, on to week four. All right, friends, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Please remember that I'm doing this podcast to document my progress and share some information but I'm not a doctor, a nutritionist, or a trainer. If you're gonna start a program or change your eating habits, 
please speak to a professional first. Before I go, I want to let you know that I'm going to start publishing this podcast at the beginning of the week, on Monday or Tuesday, instead of at the end of the week. So for that reason, I'm going to skip next week and drop our next episode on or about Monday, April 8th. And I hope that on that episode, we will interview our first guest. Well, that's it for now. Please follow us on Twitter, at LoseItPodcast. And if you have thoughts, ideas, or a story you'd like to share, email me at loseitpodcast at gmail.com. That's loseitpodcast, one word, at gmail.com. Hey, thank you so much for going on this journey with me. I'll talk to you next time on I Think I'm Gonna Lose It.